I was wondering as it was happening. I was like, now, does that sound like wine? I see her pouring the wine, but I was like, man, that sounds like a pretty strong, pretty strong piss. Like I'm making. Imagine a if you piss. just had like a grate in the middle of the floor here. Like oh, you're just man. like, please, so... like can we drill the piss grate in. We need it. Like, the efficiency it'll create for podcasting will be like just incredible. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're here again in the shadow of Rockford Tower, in the belly of the beast. We're behind enemy lines in Highlands Bunker. I have a special thing tonight. I don't know how uh, we're going we're gonna to do it because we got some power in here tonight, some activist power. A lot of power, a lot of power in the bunker tonight. It's packed. It uh, makes me very hopeful. So, we have, and I had to check my spelling. Sometimes I put spelling wrong on my phone. We have Kirsten Walther, which I have I, but the T E N. That is correct. Walther, T H E R. Okay, I got that. You try also, to... do you like that Kristen and Kirsten are sitting next to each just other? So like, I, as I, we I are wanting to do. Yeah. Are you spelling our names out so that you can dox us <laughs> exactly. like, really easily? First of all, you know that. that you this know is I their Twitter handle. This is their Instagram. First, Folks, go find them. <laughs> Here's the thing the only people listening to this already know. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, two eyes though. Yes. Not the E. No. Bricker. Yes. Boom. So, I'll tell you what. I'm. I, I was gonna say I'm, I'm. I'm two for two, but now I'm getting nervous. Stephanie, P H, with the I E. Two R's, one O. Like the bird, but with an extra R. Yes. Holy shit! I'll tell you what, folks. This is gonna go somewhere. I have what I hope will uh, become regular crew, um, friends of the show. They know how to do it. If you know them, you know they know how to do it, and you'll probably find out that they know how to do it very shortly. So what I'm looking to do is uh, incorporate these activists and organizers, journalists, uh, just all around like badasses. I'm looking to impanel them. Uh, so that you know, on a regular basis, two of them will make a quorum. And when we have that quorum, we are going to talk shit, so much shit, on the people who really deserve to get shit talked on. But what we're going to do is we're going to tie that shit into uh, a pretty a, a deep dive into a lot of policy, a lot of traveling, a lot of internet memes. There'll probably be a discussion of memes. You'll have to f- just fucking deal with it. I'm dealing with it. And we're going to have a little fun. But we're going to introduce everybody. So, I have a few sort of topics I want to get to. Number one, and this is for, check it, Kirsten, Walther. So, they just had Davos, uh, mm-hmm. what, it ended a week ago? And for the, really the first time in my memory, the coverage of Davos seemed to me, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm we are in a bunker, we get very poor even internet reception down here. But it seemed to me like it was the first time that really the story of it was a getting shit on. Yeah. There's been little uprisings, like the the uh, the shadow the shadow exchequer guy, McConnell, he's he's shit on it sometimes. There's been little things, but this was a full bore every day, somebody really pointing out that it's that there are a bunch of disgusting pigs if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, so first of all, your reaction to 
uh, Davos itself, the, the coverage of it, and do you even think it should continue? Um, well, I mean, like, no, I don't think it should continue. Um, just personally, like, I don't give a shit what, like, rich people say about how, like, wealth should be, you know, um, allocated in this country. Like, you know, that's great that you feel a certain way, but you know what, you know, who cares? Like, I want to see an equitable distribution of resources, of money, um, and, like, hmm, do you think you're going to get that from, like, talking to some billionaire asshole who, you know, obviously has a very strong interest, not just an interest in, but, like, you know, all the resources at his disposal to make the argument for his wealth preservation. Like, that's not obviously something that, like, I want to see happen. Um, and, like, it just it feels like a massive, like, horrible person circle jerk, to be honest. Like, I don't even like talking about it that much because, like, I just, you know, I loathe billionaires. Um, I think that, you know, we should be taking their money and putting them into a labor camp. Like, you know, obviously this is going to be great if, you know, I am down the road, you know, working at some job in Delaware and people like listen to, to me, I'd like, like to put a pin in this advocating right for a labor camp. For, I would you know. like to put a pin in this. <laughs> yes. If, if, if anyone's listening to this doesn't understand the satirical nature of sending people to the gulag. Right. Allegedly, we would... I, I can't help you. <laughs> Maybe we'll have an email address you can send an email and lodge a complaint. But other than that, you're going to have to listen to be, listen to people being satirically sent to the fucking gulag. Right. And, and you know, some billionaires, at least you feel like they might get it. They're like not really they, helping, but they get a few of them. I feel like but it's not ones... even a question, though, of, like, getting it or not. It's a question of, like, you know... First of all, should people ever be able to amass a billion dollars? Well, that's the answer. No, that's no, of course not. not. And two, like, you know, there's no way that you have internalized that message and are still a billionaire. You know what I mean? Because, like, otherwise you would have, you know, you can give more on your taxes. You don't have to be a billionaire anymore. Um, and, like, I think we're all in this room in agreement that, like, philanthropy is bullshit and, like, is never going to solve the economic crises of our times. So, I, like, love the, I love the statistic. Maybe somebody can look yeah. it up. Maybe you know it. That uh, so one of the Gates Foundation's uh, cause celebs whatever was like charter school like experimental uh, education whatever you want to say like that kind of sort of privatized send a bunch of money to you know put our computer models and figure that shit out and all that it was a there was a report out maybe a year ago within the last two years that they it was a waste it was like a, maybe a billion dollars it was basically showed zero results anywhere. It was a it was a complete waste. Yeah, I mean, a lot uh, the of the first studies that like, came out about that were when I was in college in like two thousand two. Um, to be honest, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was a that was waste I mean, of time. Yeah, they it set was... it up. Charter schools are brain drains. They're run by private, yeah. you know, interests. It's just kind of completely insane. Twenty-two yeah. million dollar investment. <laughs> yeah, it's... to yeah. develop at least five charter management organizations that will create. 20 schools. I will yes. tell you this. I feel like uh, Stephanie fact-checking this is going to make... It's going to be very embarrassing. At least no, to it's me. very helpful. It's going to be very embarrassing to me. But, like, it's good because also... like, informed. Yeah, no. <laughs> spit those facts out. But, like, yeah, I mean, charter schools also, like, it, you know, depends on, like, the degree of engagement of parents and, you know, like, just in general, like, I think that yeah like it's and who has the privilege <coughs> to get in yeah like it it should be seen as probably like it should be seen as a red flag right away that like so many like 
philanthropic, you know, billionaires are supportive of this system where they can set up their own systems for schools. Like, if at any point, like, wealthy people, rather than advocating for higher tax rates, are, you know, suggesting that, like, this would be a better model where I have control, that should immediately send a red flag. Yeah, one of the th- one of the things that uh, was was great was seeing Michael Dell get called out. That was one That's of, like, the uh, dude you're getting a doll guy. Yes. Sells doll computers. Yeah. Well, it was it was good because it was it was that time where he got you know he was just called out blatantly like you're you're making a point that you it's such a weird argument. I have more confidence in my foundation, which is like a probably a money laundering operation, <laughs> to direct money for social good than I do like people and you're like well that's obviously a lie and then the Washington Post reporter was so stupid didn't really know how to f- f- try to follow up and, and he said something dumb like well where has it ever worked and like in the United States for like a, the, like probably the best time in the United States and he and he looked like a fucking idiot I think he probably knew to be totally honest like I think Michael Dell knew the answer to that. It's yeah. just that, like... People are getting pushed back now, though, which I like. People used to let it go, and they don't anymore. Right. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I think... I don't know. I I don't buy the narrative or, like, the idea that, like, any billionaires are just, like, ignorant do-gooders who don't understand of their, like, yeah, what their impact is. Like, they all fucking know. And they're all, like, willing actors. And, like, yeah. Michael Dell, he fucking knows that the marginal tax rate... You know, used to approach like ninety some percent. Oh, back it's in the funny day. to hear. We just and had he this just conversation. Wants to play dumb it's funny to people he... that well, they play dumb about what uh, what the marginal, what even the marginal tax rate means. Like they think they're taking everybody's seventy yeah. percent. Like yeah. most of the people you hear say that, right. they're like, you know that. You people know that's who are making right. thirty thousand. Yeah, like come right. on. Oh, you know that's how not will right. how will this arise? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, those billionaires. Yeah, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. It's gross. But this this relates to two actually uh, Delaware issues. One is the education thing, which I don't follow enough, and I never really have because I don't have kids. Um, but it's I mean it's obviously gross that all the schools aren't great. I mean we can build uh, things everywhere, and Buccini Pollen can put up a beautiful basketball arena. But we can't make every school like state. Every school should be like state of the art school, but we don't have it. The other thing is the reason we don't have it is because of the Davos situation that we run and we smuggle money through here, and it's all about economic growth. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the like taxing would you wouldn't have economic growth. That's the the those two things I think are the the toughest nuts to crack locally. People don't they don't connect. They don't connect what's happening because they are, they're here. They like it here, you know. They 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 work for lawyers, or I'm implicating myself. Yeah. So you're talking about like the the upper middle like manager. This is why class. we're in the. I mean, look, you know, we're in the. We're here. They're all around mm-hmm. us, and the, this is why we're doing it from the belly of the beast. How do we? How are we going to convince these people that this has? Uh, this has applicability here when you go knock on a door say or you call somebody well first of all like I've never knocked a door in this neighborhood and I never planned to so <laughs> um, like no offense but like that's perfect yeah. I've knocked in this neighborhood have you that's perfect yeah that's actually perfect because there's a perfect argument to be made that like that the people who need to be 
uh, activated and enfranchised. These people are enfranchised. It's not a problem. Enfranchised right. as fuck. Um, yeah, more than they should they be are because the they don't have great opinions. A lot of bad eggs. Yeah. In these so, fights. so, yeah. There's a, there's an argument to be made for that. But so you you and you make that argument. You say, look, the people who we need to, there's people who are disenfranchised. Now we have to bring them in. The problem is not uh, necessarily persuading. Oh, hell person no. like this, but, but you're not going to because right. why would they vote against their economic interests? Why would they vote against you know um, all of the structures that are keeping them in power Morality? and keeping them? Yeah, I was gonna say I do, and I don't. I sleep well at night. Like it's not that hard, guys. <sighs> yeah, it's just morality. I know, but you're right. I mean, that's yeah, but the you're not though. on you're the right. level of like. Like, I don't know. I mean, yes, I'm not an asshole. I mean, well, I am, but not in that <laughs> yeah, regard. Not, not that type. Different not that, kind. Not yeah. that type. I'm not an asshole to the downtrodden. <laughs> a different yeah. type. Different type. <laughs> yeah, I, th- this is a, it's a, obviously a big thing for me because I'm, I mean, I'm guilty. If 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 the criminal justice system was, was more equitable, I would have a lot to answer for. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Tr- you know. Same. <laughs> but nobody really gets it. And it's tough, particularly here, because it's a sort of a cloistered a little tax haven we've built, and we're in the you know we're in the midst of it, sort of fighting these political battles, and I find it very interesting. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think like, and this is um, a discussion I've had with like you know some of Delaware's um, you know centrist um, managerial class professionals in the past, um, and like. It, what bothers me, what grinds my gears, like, especially after, like, you know, talking to people in, you know, the neighborhoods that I don't live in in Wilmington, like, is that there is broad popular support for a lot of really bold ideas, for a much more progressive tax system, for, you know, single-payer health care, for a jobs guarantee, for, um, I don't know, like a really robust school funding program. Um, it's just those ideas aren't coming from the type of people who typically get asked what their opinions are, what their values are, what their ideas are. Um, those aren't coming from the people who whose struggles are valued in this in this state. And like I just think that like, you know, sure, like we can continue to talk with the people who already have a voice in the political system in Delaware about, you know, oh, what do we do about poor Eastside? Oh, isn't it such a shame what's happening? You know, do we decide to like, you know, be the benevolent providers and grant them a little bit of money? Or do we take the Mike Przicki route and just quarantine them and like brutalize them using the WPD into submission? And it's like, I, I would like no, to say we one don't thing do either of those fucking things. The thing about yes, Przicki okay, is, like, I, want him sucks, to, I want him to wait because he will be going to the gulag, but I don't want to do it right now because I want him to think no, about it. No, but like it. the thing is like, that what's really important is those have been the two like, yeah, like those are the two options that are always ascribed to like people who like are, you know, we don't allow into our discussion and it's like no fuck that like why don't you actually go to like you know these communities and like ask people what they need and like let them like craft policies that will empower them and that will bring them out of bad conditions well if (laughs) you ask mike persiki the answer to the east side with south side of wilmington it wouldn't be you know parks or mitigating sea level rise or, you know, basic services, it would be 
bringing in more young white people. Oh, right, we just need to build some more luxury condos. Oh and maybe, gosh. maybe we could even throw in some fucking uh, EV charging stations there. That would be cool. Because, like, everybody in Southbridge owns a Tesla. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I mean, all all we need to revitalize Wilmington is to just uh, gentrify the shit out of it, like we did at the riverfront, right? Like it, it seemed it seemed to work there, right? Well, I'll tell you what. There's one going up. Uh, I've I peeked my head out and I I wanted to see if the fortifications were dug in around uh, Rockford Tower, <laughs> and I noticed right on Pennsylvania Avenue there, by the train trestle. There's a big f- fucking uh, gentrified building going up right there. So it's even spreading outside of the normal, like a, like a cancer. It's starting to pop up even other places, not just, you know, downtown. Also, who not the just hell the is buying front. all of these condos? No like, one. Half of them are empty. Yeah. I want to put a pin in this, too, because I want to give uh, one shout out to uh, one of our super producers, Margaret, who just moved here from, from Providence. Woo! She's uh she's she's uh from Brown. This is fucking Ivy League shit. I just want to let you guys know. Plus she she does for reasons that are should become obvious to everyone live in a BPG building. You're going to sound elitist as fuck right now. She said she said I love the pool and I love the big gate to keep everyone out. No, actually, when you find out what she does for a living, all you motherfuckers are going to be so jealous as you sit on your sofa and do shit. Okay. Enough doxing for now. Next to- next topic. We're all in this together. That's right. You know, we uh, and I actually um, recorded a quick hit. Probably have to cut that out because I can't use the name in this part of it. Uh, that's actually really good. Uh, because we found out uh, around the holidays that a, a proud boy lived in, in my like around a corner from me. Oh, you know who you need to talk to? Okay, we actually, had a big fucking blow up in this fucking John. Talk to Kristen about Proud Boys because we she had a big is the we had a big blow up in this John. The gritty there was a grit some some gritty on Twitter turned me on to it. Freaking Isaac Gritty, are you Isaac Gritty? I am not Isaac Gritty. Ah, uh, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll cut this out. Isaac Gritty freaking turned me on. To, but anyway, mm. we'll cut all this out. But the the, <laughs> the problem is we're not. You wanted to talk about memes. Eyes of Gritty, you're you're giving a shout out right now. I got they, they alerted. They did a civic responsibility <laughs> a mitzvah here. See where where they went and and outed a proud boy that we didn't know was in our midst. So yeah, yeah. I would just like to say that first this is all, a point for gritty memes. First of all, I I'm on record saying, and if I'm not, I'm gonna be right now because <laughs> this is staying. No, I think uh, as far as like. Uh, Doxing or calling people out on the internet or whatever. As far as fascists go, call them out as you see them. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. We can't have that. We can't. We, and again, well, we had this conversation. When, this the same week, I had a I had a run in at a at a, at a, uh, a party in the neighborhood with a with the, somebody who works in finance at the city of Wilmington, and there was like this. I made a scene. I'll just say I made a scene. And then the same week, I found I out that there's a fucking proud boy in the neighborhood. I don't know. The whole thing was and very you're like, heavy. Goddamn, to me. gotta like get myself up for another one this week. Like, I know. Also, have you told the story about your um, encounter at the town hall with Mike Krzyzewski yet on the cast? 
I tell which, which, I did which wanna, one? Although I did before we get back to Brzezicki, want to mention a doxing thing really thick. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, Kristen, go. So, I do believe that it is completely moral to dox Nazis, and um, and I encourage it. And, and she's good at it. <laughs> um, it's a hobby. And uh, and the thing is, the reason that it works is because it turns out that, like, I mean, Nazis have really bad politics, deadly politics. Uh, if they had their way, we would live in a horrible, awful world. Uh, and and whereas people, those of us who are opposed to Nazis, uh, are, you know, we... We, we stand in stiff opposition. If there weren't, yes. And if there weren't Nazis, then we would just, like, be at home, like, happy smoking weed. Oh, but, yeah. you know... And so, except for climate change, so we have. We're gonna like, get to that. We're gonna get to that. So we have nothing to be ashamed of. Those of us who dox Nazis, and if they dox us back, it's like whatever. And just to to you know, somebody did try to dox me actually during the Kerry campaign, um, which was funny. Um, when you say that, now explain explain to me. Do you mean on a particular site you were gonna be doxed? Oh no! Or like, how does this? Oh no! What do, you, what do you mean? Like, this is the person who does this, so go harass them. Like, so a pathetic little man who will not be named, not um, named, is uh, is he likes to make a name for himself in Kent County because he's a failed Republican politician down there. He just, like, loses Republican primaries. I feel like this guy's also going to the gulag. So, I'm not going to mention... No, he's not being re-educated. He's just... I mean, he's going to the... (laughs) Hey, can you guys see this? You can't? Gulag. Like the real gulag. Well, so anyways, so this guy who will not be named, uh, let's call him Voldemort, he went on uh, a 105.9, the Dan something Gaffney show or something. Dan Gaffney, come on the podcast. Um, yeah. Hey, Dan Gaffney and Voldemort, cash me outside. I'm here. Uh, come on the podcast. So, Dan, come on the podcast, please. So here's what happened is uh, Voldemort and this, I shouldn't even call him that because he's really pathetic and Voldemort had power. Uh, I need a new name. Like who's someone really douchey and pathetic? Um, and Mr. Douchebag. So anyway, so Mr. Douchebag. Um, did you get he, it all out? Are you all? I mean, no, I, uh, she's not done yet. Oh my goodness. Don't, are you, man? Mansplaining? You invited her to the podcast and like I feel like listen to her story because it's good. Yeah. Oh, this this is going somewhere other than yeah, you. Yeah, Yeah, no, like just let it let it play out. Let it ride. Yeah. Holy I'm shit. I'm an okay storyteller, my dude. Drink yeah. your wine. Sorry. Do you need some more? No. Anywho. I didn't know. I was I was worried about where this was going to go. No. This is going to a very fine place. It's all public and stuff. Give me that pen. <laughs> I might need to reload it. So anyways. So... This Dan Gaffney guy, uh, this this little pathetic loser guy, uh, calls Dan Gaffney and says, "I have an inside tip that uh, Antifa is running Carrie Evelyn Harris's campaign," <laughs> and they Where did. I didn't know that was cool. Yes, it was a radio a show. Right? It was yeah, it's in their archives and stuff. And so they named me and uh, Faya Chavaria and Calvin Sparks as members of Delaware like or an international or god knows what antifa which of course they pronounced antifa and um 
and and they yes dedicated like a whole hour including like a call-in segment about how all of us were antifa and they're um and that the reason that it never like it didn't blow up to Carrie's campaign, like I didn't have any problems, like well, nobody... because nobody listens to that radio well, show. Well, none of us cared. We yeah. all were like, oh, good. Like, <laughs> I, I guess that was my, my suspicion at the beginning was like, so this is like on the like the radio, like the like AM radio. Like, oh, yeah, also multiple. There were like a lot of us who were like, oh shoot, that's definitely about me. See, my other my other reaction is like my my other reaction is. But I want to be associated with... You know you've made it when you get called out on AM radio. Their evidence that I was Antifa was a Delaware News Journal, Wilmington News Journal, whatever the fuck that paper is called. I'm going to just butcher all Look, your names. We have, we have all friends there. I just, want to, I just want to say this. Then cut it out, too. No, that's... That is, <laughs> I want that to stay in. No! <laughs> no, I want that to stay in. I still want them to come here, but, I mean, they suck. Just let me... Look, they know they suck. Anyways, no, but this was an okay article. This is a good article. So the News Journal ran an article. This is their their proof that I was Antifa. It was an article in the News Journal that uh, me and Faye had shut down a Nazi show that was going to happen at Bar 13 in Wilmington. And so, like, the response, of course, was like, oh, yeah, you know, you got me. Like, I, I yes, I, I ran Nazis out of Wilmington. Uh, even my Republican neighbors were proud of me. Like, what do you guys want? Dan Gaffney, what do you want from me? Hey, Dan, you got to come on the podcast, buddy, so we can make fun of you while you're here. To your face. <laughs> to your yes. face. So, so uh, now that I know this whole story, this is Wasn't fucking Wasn't it worth hard. it? This is fucking... Didn't, don't you wish you didn't inter- hadn't interrupted me so often? I didn't mean to, but it was... <laughs> It was making you were me... like Tom Carper at a meeting. It was a... <laughs> See, that's funny. Stephanie, she'll be here all night. No, I, like, I don't realize... Uh, I don't realize what effect this radio has in Delaware. People tell me, like, they're, they're, it's fucking Rube Central. Like, they have this uh, connection with, like, a, a core group of people... And it's weirdo. They're fucking weird. I know. I, mean, like, I think Facebook Scott. Too. Yeah, I think Scott Walker called into that segment. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a radio. No, I think that's good. I think you're right. It's like a radio Facebook. Yeah. No. Do you know what I mean? That's what it is. It's a weird. Well, it's it, the whole thing's a cult. Well, it's just like it's like we have like our Delawarean friends who are like psychotically online on Facebook.com. We have our Delawarean friends who are like psychotically on the air on you know talk radio based out of like I don't know Dover or wherever they're based out of like we just have like different groups of Delawareans who just are like extremely into these like you know really unhealthy forms of media and just the takes they produce are like incredible you know what I mean like, I feel personally offended by this highly relatable content <laughs> sorry well no we're we're the only people who are like you know our group are the only people who are like extremely aligned but good like we're the only ones with good opinions who are extremely aligned well you know what no. you want to okay. say something you, about Przicki because yes. there is something that wait, I would like to uh, discuss I, just was, I wanted to know if you had told the story yet about the time you stood up and told him he was racist in a town hall and he was like oh well I never like I can't oh. believe that in my own neighborhood I was told that see I didn't all, find know, out about that slanderous like yeah no when you stood up and then Susan like took you out and <sighs> okay here's the here's the st- I, I wrote something uh, contemporaneously that'll be a, whatever record because at this point 
look, I've been smoking all that fucking vape somebody brought. But I'll tell the story. So we were at um, Kitchelines in the room in the back. And he comes to give this talk about something. Yeah, it was bullshit. So he's talking about, you know, the cops and how the cop, what the cops are doing and what the real estate developers are doing. And then uh, he, he said something about, and again, there's a record of this, so I don't remember exactly what he said. He said something like, well, those people over, over in the bad neighborhoods and the rough, so something like that. Yeah, it's like, what do you mean? And, I, and I stood what up people? and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he was like, and so the the woman here, uh, who was our neighborhood sort of coordinator, her husband was there, and uh, he hates my guts. And he was like, why don't you sit down? And I said, why don't you sit down? I mean, go fuck yourself. And he, he was like, I, he said, well, I'm talking about those people over there. And I was like, you're fucking racist, dude. Correct. I said, remember, and I as I was being sort of escorted out I said <laughs> remember what he said because he was like he, he was like we're going to keep the people in their place basically and again I don't remember exactly what he said I wrote something to to, to uh, sort of demonstrate it but it was basically like that but I didn't find out until maybe a week afterwards that someone found out through someone else that they were at a meeting with the mayor, and he was sort of mentioning this, like, I don't want to say distraught might be a little strong, but it definitely made an impression on him, which I thought was super. I just had the best day that day <laughs> when I found that out. But yeah, I, I've had a run-in. I, I have run-ins with um, with uh, Showfield, Tracy Showfield, and her husband, at the, at, I have run-ins with them all the time. When they presented, um, when they presented to to sell the the firehouse on Gilpin, and the, and the the union wanted the firefighters union wanted it, but they were going to sell. They were going to make two hundred grand if they sold it to the development company that made that monstrosity at Bancroft Mills. And I stood up there and I was like, "This is fucked up. You got to give it to the union." And I, I, I broke, I, I just disrupted the whole fucking meeting. And on the way out, the showfield says, uh, hey, have a good night. And I was like, you do too. I, I said, I love coming and breaking these up. And the woman with him was like, why? I said, because it needs to be done. And everybody should be doing this. You see these people in public, they're fucking you. And let them know that they're fucking you. Let them, this facade's got to drop. Or it's just not good for anyone. So the two things I wanted to ask you, because I never got a chance to. When you lived in Mexico, did you visit uh, the, the Zapatistas? Did you, I mean, do you have a, a, like a personal experience there? Because there's two sort of models for socialism that I see today. One is the Zapatistas and the other is the Kurds that I sort of look at as a socialist model. Because people point to dumb shit. People gotta. People say Venezuela, and you gotta kind of correct them. Do you have experience with? I know you have some experience with the Kurds, but uh, with the Zapatistas in Mexico. Yeah, the Zapatistas actually taught me Spanish. Ah, dope. 
Um, and they were a big part of the reason that I moved to Mexico. Um, I was very involved in anti-war organizing um, before the invasion of Iraq, uh, the second invasion by Bush Jr. And I, uh, my friends and I, uh, almost none of us graduated on time. Uh, we graduated a year late, um, or some people more, because we basically took off to protest the war full time. And, um, and when we lost that fight, I felt really despondent and I thought like we'd failed and hundreds of thousands of people were going to die as a result. And, uh, and I felt responsible for it. So I went to uh, collectively responsible for it like we hadn't done enough um, to, and if we'd worked harder then we could have stopped the invasion. So I went to Mexico um, to learn from an inspiring project, which is the Zapatista Project. Um, for those who don't know, in 1994, the Zapatistas, um, the Zapatista Army of National Liberation uh, rose up and they took over uh, about a third of the state of, the Mexican state of Chiapas. Uh, they're an indigenous army. Uh, and when they rose up, they, in addition to expelling um, colonial landowners uh, from lands that indigenous people had worked for generations, but as uh, sharecroppers and as um, underpaid laborers, uh, they also took over, they sacked major cities in the state and they burned um, the deeds to those lands so that uh, they were definitely never going to get returned to the people that they took the plantations from. Um, and then they instituted their own government, and it is a government that works, and it's a government that they like. And, um, and I got to actually live with them and see how community police forces work and how um, communities running themselves work. And you can actually, it's not a dream, it's a reality there. And so they have a language school, which shameless plug, you should go to where they teach Spanish and they also teach indigenous languages. And so you can live with them. And, uh, and it's one of the actually very few ways that you get to uh, talk to them because uh, they don't just, they only talk to outsiders like uh, off the cuff um, with special permission. And the school is one of the very few ways you can get special permission to actually shoot the shit. Um, and so, yeah, I did. I spent a lot of like, basically in my Spanish classes, we got to talk about just revolutionary stuff all day. And so one of the things that and the reason that I brought up why I went to Mexico um, to start this off is because one of the things that they really drilled into my head was that um, we can't uh, we can't take responsibility, personal responsibility for the things that our bad government does. And I kept because I kept complaining to them like, you know, we fought so hard um, and we didn't clearly fight enough because we went and invaded Iraq anyways. And they said, we? They said, you gringos are seriously the only ones out of all of the foreigners who come here who refer to their government as we. Do you hold us responsible when the Mexican government goes and slaughters people? And I said, well, of course not. And they said, well, then it's also not your responsibility if you, it, to, for what the United States does. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're fighting against it, you know, yeah, you're not, it's not your responsibility. And so um, I 
yeah, and it's and so with them, I did learn a lot about. I think it was very good reflection on on what it means to struggle long term. Because another thing I learned from them is that there is no, uh, we're never going to achieve the whatever utopia each one of us is striving for. Because they, you know, they do have their own land that they run themselves, uh, and they kicked the government out of, uh, and they still fight every day to maintain their autonomy and to do the very hard work of actually governing by democracy. Yeah. It's, it's, it, again, I, I know I'm just starting to get up on, on that score, but the thing that I've known more about that you know about too is the Kurdish, uh, sort of the Kurdish separatist movement across three countries, really. So I have a close friend of mine who's Turkish. She's like a secular leftist Turk. <clears throat> and so I've always been fascinated by Ataturk and the secular's left, follow Turkish politics. So for a long time, I've understood sort of like uh, what the politics were in Turkey a little bit, what the PKK was doing. And I understood the, the, the Kurdish thing in Turkey. Then because of Iraq, uh, I understood Kurdistan and Iraq in northern Iraq, and they were basically autonomous, similar to the Zapatistas, I guess. Would you say that that was similar? I am not going to claim familiarity with Kurds uh, in Iraq. Okay. So I'm not sure. I think they had a lot of autonomy. They certainly had much more autonomy, it seems to me, uh, in northern Iraq than sort of the Turkish Kurds did, but in, in any event. So... The, the PKK in Turkey, I think, is problematic because of the violence. And I'm not necessarily anti-violent in certain situations. <clears throat> Certainly not a pacifist. But you got to take more care with innocent people. And so I can't really get with the PKK. <clears throat> but can you get with the HDP? Are you down with OPP? Oh, yeah, because the HDP... I mean, they tried... That is the People's Democratic Party of correct. Turkey. Uh, correct. No, very good. Yes, I do, and that's the perfect differentiation because they're in a coalition to try... They were in a coalition to try to beat Erdogan, but, you know, he's entrenched now. I, I, that's a bad... The political situation in Turkey, I think, is pretty bad. But in any event... Yeah, I can really relate to having a douchey president. I know. Yeah, so if Trump gets a third term, we can sort of understand what it's like in Turkey. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> the uh, YPG in Syria, they have an experiment going on that I feel like is more like the Zapatistas and more like Kurdistan and Iraq, where they're holding some land and they're trying to keep it autonomous. <clears throat> and they're in a very delicate situation of trying to do something that's Incre uh, it's uh, incredibly democratic and they're in a very tenuous situation and I know you know something about this so uh, fill everybody in yeah so the um, where to start so the Syrian Democratic Council of which the Kurds and the YPG which is the uh, People's Protection Units uh, that they are a part of the Syrian Democratic Council. So the Syrian Democratic Council controls a region of uh, territory in a region of territory because I repeat stuff. Um, 
The Syrian Democratic Council controls approximately a third of Syria, located in the northeast of the country. Um, they, uh, their military force is the Syrian Democratic Forces. So the Syrian Democratic Council commands the Syrian Democratic Forces. The Syrian Democratic Forces are currently U.S. military allies, and the uh, major um, they're a coalition of forces, but the major driving force behind um, the Syrian Democratic Forces is the YPG, the People's Protection Units, and let's not forget the Women's Protection Units, the YPJ. That's about 7,000 armed ladies uh, who decided to not join the mixed-gender uh, People's Protection Units, the YPG. I can tell you I'm familiar with the uh, female regiments, uh, and you should look that up. Uh, go on YouTube and look how badass that is. Um, yeah, they're pretty cool. They, uh, the, the people's protection units are mixed gender, but, um, you know, ladies sometimes have to have our own military so we don't have to take orders from a man. I'm not afraid. And, um. <laughs> Sounds good to me. And so, yeah, so they have, uh, and so the YPG and the YPJ, uh, they have declared themselves to be anti-fascist, socialist, feminists, pro-environment. And, uh, and like you mentioned, they have in the autonomous region that they have uh, taken over from ISIS um, because they have, they have been fighting ISIS and that's why they're U.S. allies. And the, um, they have actually currently reclaimed an estimated 99% of the territory that uh, ISIS used to control in Syria. Uh, and so, so big shout out to the ladies in Kurdistan, uh, in Rojava. And so... Um, and so, yeah, they, uh, when they go and clear out ISIS um, uh, from towns that it's been occupying, uh, then they set up uh, local um, democratic governing councils. And so they, uh, basically, it's a decentralized, um, unrecognized state. Um, they believe in democratic federalism. And so the different uh, governing councils that they set up in different localities uh, work together sort of as a, a confederacy. Uh, and so they are currently facing threats from, as you mentioned, Turkey and uh, Islamicist proxy, um, Turkey, like Turkish proxy armies. Uh, and then they are also, um, uh, Assad is clearly, the Assad government is also um, clearly a player because they want autonomy from the, uh, the Assad regime. See, this is, here's the, here's the problem with this. I'm going to add some editorial uh, information. This will probably stay in. It'll be hilarious. <clears throat> That's exactly accurate, what she just said. That's over the heads of any any dozens of people who might listen to this. But you got to look this kind of stuff up. It's very complicated. The, the, the relevance to that today is that people just talk about Syria or talk about troops. And, you know, obviously, everybody in this room is... You know, anti-interventionist to the to a, a very strong level. I don't know if everybody here is uh, totally pacifist. Would they say they're pacifist? It's interesting. No, I'm definitely not a pacifist. Not, not a, yeah. no. No. no, nobody. TV day. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, there's state-sanctioned violence happening every day. So to be a pacifist is to refuse to defend yourself or defend your loved ones from. The state sanctioned violence of you know allowing people to not have health care domestically and you know allowing people to be homeless allowing people to go to bed hungry 
And then abroad, it's allowing the status quo of imperialism and colonialism. So, like, if you're a pacifist, then, like, I mean, you're not fighting, you know, as much as you need to, like, the violence that the state is inflicting both at home and abroad, I feel like. Or if you don't accept that it's at times necessary, then you're in uh, clear denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I agree. That's why I, I, I actually find that question interesting. That's why I was wondering whether, because I'm, I'm not either. And I guess the whole point of the situation is for the people who listen to this. This is like, the world's complicated, and you sh- these are the kind of things you should be looking into. Because <clears throat> people make blanket statements, and you get sucked into stupid shit. And uh, there's a very superficial knowledge that's it's very, very dangerous. Socialism is working, in, in, as far as I'm concerned, in the Zapatista in Mexico. Uh, it's it's working uh, in Kurdish reason, regions in, in Syria and Iraq, but they're under extreme threat. Yeah, and I the reason that I'm very interested in Rojava and that I um, also have a very big place in my heart for the Zapatistas is because these uh, autonomous areas are places where there are radical experiments uh, in different forms of governance um, and different forms of economics that are going on um, in both places. The, both of them practice decentralized government because uh, the Zapatistas also have governing councils um, and, uh, and have a decentralized government that goes both bottom up and top down. Um, and, um, and these are these experiments are very inspiring for those of us who are um are living in places where it's just simply not presently feasible for us to rise up in arms it's not happen not something that's happening um you know that the left is doing anytime soon um i think in in the united states in a lot of places but every now and then you've got you know an army like the ezln or like the the YPG and the YPJ in Rojava. Uh, And they manage to secure land without any outside meddling. They get to build their democracy from the ground up. And they, we know that they're inspiring. And the Zapatistas rose up in 1994. The internet was starting to become more um, accessible in the United States. And so here in the U.S., a lot of people here in the U.S. Uh, felt very surprised. Uh, people my age felt very surprised by uh, and, and inspired by the Zapatista uprising. And they're credited with having um, inspired the WTO protests in Seattle in 1999. Um, and uh, as the world has become more interconnected and globalized, like, holy cow, we can actually talk to people who are experimenting um, with with different kinds of democracy, and we can ask them how it's going, and we can see how it's working. Americans go to Zapatista territory all the time. At any given time, there are uh, the number of Americans that are fighting in the YPG are in the double digits, uh, and so um, it is possible, and you know, thanks to the internet, uh, for us to be in touch with people that are fighting on the ground, so that we can learn from them, and so that we can support them, so that they can continue to inspire us. Uh, it, people don't think about that. There's Americans fighting in the YPG, mm-hmm. for example. No, it's not a lot. It's a handful. 
Um, no, I think we know because Piss Pink Granddad, you know, made the rounds and <laughs> well, <laughs> we read about him on Twitter. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> and an American was killed last year um, fighting with the YPG. He was yeah. actually um, a United States military veteran. Um, the Americans that fight with the YPG, uh, it's a pretty even split between um, American anti-capitalists and um, and former. Uh, uh, military uh, soldiers who served in the Middle East uh, and um, they got out of the military and decided that they wanted to uh, fight ISIS in a more direct way. A lot of them were a little disillusioned with their what uh, their service and, and what the United States effort in the Middle East in, in general has produced. So we just visited Puerto Rico last week, which was amazing. Fucking great weather, beautiful people, beautiful sights, crazy <laughs> high sales tax, but like all the other shit's great. Uh, love Puerto Rico. Uh, and while I was down in Puerto Rico, I had the pleasure of attending a protest in San Juan uh, outside of the federal court uh, calling for Judge Swain who is a circuit judge in New York, to uh, reject the COFINA agreement, which is an acronym. There are so many acronyms in, um, in what's going on in Puerto Rico right now, which is just one of the many things that makes it exceptionally complicated and confusing, which I have to think is intentional. Um, <laughs> and so I just wanted to um, talk a little bit about the fact that uh, Puerto Rico is an exceptionally great and disturbing example of American colonialism. <laughs> the cool thing about Puerto Rico is that it's an example of American colonialism right now. Literally. Like people feel like colonies are, are it's the same, that we're doing yeah. it right now. Yeah, very truly. So, you know, Puerto Rico is literally... Has no representation, in the most literal way, in terms of federal the, the United States federal government, uh, but also in terms of just their own uh, commonwealth or municipal or uh, state. Very confusing what the term the technical term would be commonwealth, but I feel like that's kind of fraught. Um, even their own. Commonwealth government can be and has been, can be at any time and has been superseded by the United States Congress, which they very ironically have zero representation in or, you know, authority over. So it's just really the purest and most literal example of taxation and just like without representation and just American imperialism. Um, and a very, an excellent example of, um, of Congress exercising this very archaic colonial power is the, uh, the PROMESA law, which was passed in 2016 under the Republican-led Congress, but signed by President Obama, in which uh, Congress exercised their plenary power over Puerto Rico and essentially decided that they could step in and supersede the legitimately elected Commonwealth government of Puerto Rico in assigning a 
presidentially appointed board uh, called the Financial Oversight and Management Board uh, to oversee Puerto Rico's massive debt, which was a huge problem in Puerto Rico before, long before Hurricane Maria and has only become ex- much, much more fucked up and ridiculous and fraught since, since the hurricane. So, Pinning yeah. that and cross-reference that with the yeah. Davos shit because the people at Davos are probably have their foundations all up in Puerto Rico's mm-hmm. asshole mm-hmm. and is doing absolutely zero. So again, this is it's all connected. It's all connected. It's true. You got to just try to sort of and again, it's not a yeah, it's, Puerto it, Rico has an The one thing I want to say is wait, it's wait, not wait. it's not a conspiracy because it's not it's 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 not that secret. It's right yeah. out in the open. I would just yeah, you uh, Puerto Rico has the highest sales tax in in America. Which is, I guess, technically questionable whether or not they're in America. Puerto Rico has an 11.5% sales tax. And I think that we can all, particularly in Delaware, appreciate how absurd that is. Uh, but not only does Puerto Rico have an 11.5% sales tax, but none of that is being reinvested in Puerto Rico. It's all going to big Wall Street firms which have bought government bonds. Shout out to the libertarians out there. Flat taxes are evil. Stop that. But, but, however, but like you said, Puerto Rico is an, Puerto Rico in, in in a way that we can also relate to in Delaware is an extreme tax haven in that they have no gross receipts tax. Yeah. Well, my, the thing that I'm, and the, the, the thing that I feel is relevant and we'll leave, this will be like maybe a big last open discussion because it sort of relates it to politics that people, maybe mm-hmm. people are more familiar with. I don't know. Um, just, I think it was this week. I don't know how they measure this, but the the DC, the population of Washington DC went up over seven hundred thousand. I don't know. Everybody's checking this. Everybody's got a fucking phones, so you can check it. But uh, but DC is in in the same in a similar situation. Now they're not they're not what I would consider uh, colonized for. Tons of historical reasons that are fucking obvious. Yeah, they beg to disagree. Well, again, yes, of course. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean they they're the the the, the services are probably better, and so the infrastructure is a little bit better. Have you driven in DC? Oh, no, I don't drive anywhere. I don't, oh, I don't no, own a car. Wait, no, no. So uh, are you comparable? Are you leading into like DC should receive statehood right now? Yes. Because yes. So that is I'm true. leading into like how much traction do you think it will get? Because both both Puerto Rico having some sort of representation and DC having some sort of representation. Like you said, Puerto Rico is a colony. They have no fucking vote at all. DC, D, for, well, first of all. Uh, DC passed the the, uh, the marijuana thing, and it got it got sort of kiboshed on a technicality in the sen- in the House or the Senate because they have to pass it. Uh, and then the minimum wage bill got I think turned over in the City Council for some yeah, reason. Yeah, so it was passed. So they passed it on that? a referendum, and then yeah, it was like City Council or something overturned it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like we're probably on agreement that um, DC, like, so if you want to be a credible presidential uh, candidate in the Democratic Party, then you should be pushing statehood for DC, mm-hmm. like, period. So is that, that going to be is that that's, you, you, it's that's a mainline like, mainline deal? Yeah, it should be. Yes, I mean, why wouldn't you? And like, I mean, they are right to claim taxation without representation, and like. It would be objectively good for the Democrats. I mean, I know that, like, the Democrats are, 
not um, very smart as a political party <laughs> and tend to not act in their own self-interests um, and maybe even don't want to because I think the, the party the party leadership's aims are very different than the average Democrat voter's aims. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's two more Senate seats that you will pretty much automatically pick up. Like, why are you not pushing for that? Hello, everyone. This is Carl, the producer, jumping in real quick. Shortly after this part of the podcast, someone spilled wine all over the floor. And, unfortunately, order was never quite regained. And a ending was never really recorded. So, thanks for listening. Left is best, and we'll try to get a little bit less drunk next time. Thank you very much.